It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. But this little dink ball, the only one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh, really? Yeah, what have been asked to do, hopefully? Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring at me. I cough for you, free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, another Monday, lads. Another brilliant weekend of football. This is We're getting used to this now. We had an absolutely sensational game in Bally Buffet. Five goals. Could have been another eight or nine goals. It was that uh, absolutely crazy. 31 points, five goals in Turles. Um, yesterday like I mean it's, it's just it's just brilliant to be in here on a Monday and not be given out and bored and you know like I mean it's just absolutely fantastic a huge rivalry Alan starting between Kerry and Dublin they've drawn now three times in four games that's the two All-Ireland finals one draw they drew in the National League in a, an absolute classic last year and it's an absolute classic this time the only difference Kerry have to beat Dublin or else that'll be like a Mayo-Dublin rivalry or Dub- you know they push Dublin but can't you know get over the line yeah, and I suppose watching the match yesterday, like Kerry looked, uh, to me looking in, Kerry looked very strong. I know Dublin conceded, or Dublin scored the four goals, but I think Kerry would, would be very happy with the way they performed, with the chances they created, the the, the 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 scores they got, and obviously to come back from seven points down would be very pleasing. But I'd say to be a little bit of them thinking that they maybe left it out there, like they were probably the better side in the first half. Just looks like... Dublin with Conor Callahan up front he just every time he gets it he looks like there's a goal on and he, he's he's just it's hard to put your finger on because he's he's small even though he's strong but he's just such a unique footballer and he's creating opportunities when it looks like there's nothing on Yeah he um, changes direction really subtly or something doesn't he? Yeah that's a, like it's hard to put your finger on exactly what it is but he just like is he that quick? He obviously is quick I'm not sure if he's quicker than any of the defenders but he's just his eye for his instinct for a goal and um, creating an opportunity out of nothing is 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 a uh, and he can do it anyway. Like if it comes in high to him, he can win it. If yeah. it comes in low, he can win it. He's just so so dangerous. And with him up there, no matter what's going on, if Dublin get the ball up to him, there's always a chance of a goal on. Um, and I think that's obviously what happened, Kerry. Yes, I think like apart from the goals, they looked really really strong. 
obviously Clifford up front is, is, is in some form at the moment like it's it's like I was thinking about a watch and I was like what success have you marking David Clifford and I think if you could keep him to four points from playing in a game limit him to four points from play I think that's probably a good day's work done and Dublin left Mick Fitzsimons on him Mick Fitzsimons is obviously Dublin's uh, best man marker and, and like I think when you're on Clifford he's always going to get a few scores so it's just what you can limit him to Yeah he definitely had four Jesus I'd take four points from playoff Clifford any day of the week if that's if that's the target that you're being set One thing we'll talk about that in part two we're going to focus on that game completely in part two and analyse it but one thing uh, that frustrates me watching Dublin Colm I'm not sure what you think now we know with Dublin is that they don't take low percentage shots on like it has to be a gimme before they'll tap it over the bar now were you pulling your hair out watching them yesterday saying like even Brian Howard at the end like that was a shot to nothing that was almost going to be the last kick of the game and he refused just to take on the shot why are they doing that like I mean I, I thought it was a Jim Gavin thing but it's, it's, it's obviously you know ingrained in them now yeah look it's frustrating actually you go through the game there yesterday and you know it was very Frustrating uh, watching both team, both Dublin and Kerry. I think they, they were very wasteful at times. Um, but typically, yes, you sort of over the years of playing against Dublin, we knew we would have sort of analysed them to the death of where they were looking their shots from, and they seemed to you know they seemed to just wait and wait and wait, hold the ball for as long as they can, as until they get into that position where they feel comfortable, um, and that's why they've been so good. Um, you know, they haven't you know they haven't been. Wasteful to date, um, and you know you look at you watch other games and you sort of go, why are you shooting from there? Why are you doing that? Uh, frustrating to watch, um, but I think that's what's why Dublin are so good. They, you know, they don't go for that low percentage pace, and they work at the best men, whether it's Callahan or whoever it may have been in the past. They just, you know, I don't know whether it's been drilled into them in training. Like I, we would. Even up playing with Tyrone over years, we've been shouting, stop shooting from corner flags, stop shooting from places where you're not going to score. But boys tend to still do it. So uh, I don't know what Jim Gavin's did over the last number of years. Um, but it, they seem to have continued that trait where they're waiting to that, you know, that perfect shot's on and, uh, and, and seem to take it at that point. But um, in my eyes, yeah, like they, that's a real strength they have um, and why they're so, so, they've been so successful. Yeah, like I think it is something that that's obviously come from the Jim Gavin era, and and um, do they overdo it? Kind of get the shots. Uh, possibly a fellow like and it was Brian Howard on it. Like he has that shot in his locker if he wants to take right, it on. Yeah. He's a good, he's a good. Uh, well, it looked like he was lining up. Like he had a look up and he was going to swing the right foot at it, but he obviously taught him a little bit outside the scoring zone here. And they do, as Colm says, they they they, they if you analyze Dublin shots, they're all from inside that scoring zone. I think Dermo was the only one allowed to shoot outside. <laughs> <there>. <laughs> he's the only one that was allowed to get away with it. But um, I suppose at that stage of the game, maybe it was worth maybe it was worth a pop. But um, I know they got turned over after that. But but they're always looking to recycle it back out and back back in front of the goal and wait for the wait for the good opportunity rather than as Callum says the low it's percentage. Very, very hard to defend against the two because they frustrate you for an awful long time of doing that. Where like we're we're probably watching that one. He should have had a pop there, but because they've been drilled so well, and when you're trying to defend against that, I remember watching. Obviously, played against Dublin the last number of years, and you're so you're so annoyed because they just keep recycling, going down the wings, uh, waiting for that opportunity to go back out, and they eventually get their get their space where they should be, um, because they just they frustrated defenders for so long by doing that and working that play, and they're, they're like really like a like a part like Barcelona in their prime where they're able just to knock the ball about, you know, get it to the right man, and ultimately space opens up and the points on. So 
it's catch twenty two. Like you, you can, you know, you can maybe argue that oh, he should have had that. He should have went for it. But by and large, if like you look at you know last number of years, that's the way that's what's got them their success. Like they're not they're not doing what other teams are doing. Other teams are are wheeling the shots from bad angles, and you know whether it's leading that short. Uh, and teams are counter attacking at things to get there. Dublin don't tend to do that as often as other teams, and um, it's, it's a nightmare to play against. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah it's funny you talk about. It's funny you talk about getting right. frustrated. Like we always would have said that keep recycling it and eventually one defender will switch off. So as defenders yeah. are like are defending, you're just looking for one point of weakness where they drop their concentration for a second and that's then when you'll penetrate the line and you'll get right. the shot off. Um, and, yeah. and you'll always find that if defenders are getting frustrated, um, eventually one lad will, will drop their concentration and that becomes the point of weakness for the lads to attack. And look, like I suppose in fairness to Brian, that's obviously what he was trying to do there. But in saying that, it probably was on from and a fella like him has it in the locker to go from there yeah exactly like I mean it, it, there's no doubt it's it's frustrating to watch a little bit boring to watch it over and back but they are very good at it they don't let the minute a hand goes on them they're getting rid of it and moving away there was two stonewall penalties here lads I don't think any of the refereeing decisions on the penalties were in any way controversial um, they were very very um, obvious ones uh, Darren Minahan the disallowed goal well, we all agree that was a, just a mistake by the referee and that should have been, you know, he should give him that extra second. I, d- I don't think he was fouled the first time, but I think he was very obviously pulled the second time. I think that's what maybe um, that's what maybe made the referee's mind up to blow it back, Colin. Maybe he thought that was going to put him off. Yeah, look, I say there's a lot of, uh, lot of chat around this advantage rule and look, that was a clear-cut mistake in my opinion. Uh, I think that they should have let him go um, and it happens. <laughs> I tell you, this is not going to be the last time this is going to, we're going to be discussing this over uh, the coming weeks. Um, look, uh, you can see the frustration uh, from the Kerry guys uh, that, that 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 hadn't been allowed, and you know, I say just yeah, you had to let him go for that extra second, let him let him, let him get it in. But you know, uh, it's a small margins, uh, and that, I say that's something that I don't like criticizing referees, but you know that that's something that. Quite, uh, and we watched it, and we we, we were sitting screaming, going, "How did you not let him away?" You, you know, if that had happened, uh, playing yourself, you you wouldn't have been happy uh, at all. Yeah, you'd be absolutely livid, especially because that's even if even if it's a penalty, you're not getting the goal. Is someone else getting the goal? <laughs> so you're, <laughs> well, <laughs> so you're if, absolutely. If, if he goes, if, if he goes down there, if Dara goes down and and falls uh, as part of that. Um, you know, is that a clear cut? Obviously, you say a clear cut penalty and black yard and whatnot. He, you know, he stayed on his feet, and um, you know, there's nothing then effectively in bar free and on top of the bar. So it, it's yeah, I'm not saying he should have went down, but do you know what I mean? We were chatting last week about the the whole piece around the the penalty and uh, clear goal goal scoring opportunity and that. So and that's what it came to mind. Um, the weekend again with with that, with that chance. Well, I, I I agree because if he didn't, if he went down there, he could have got a penalty. If he didn't, then stayed honest and tried to score, he got punished for that. So, like you mean, oh, if the referees yeah. don't start giving the right decisions here, we might see players trying to go over the top and try and play for them. John Small went off with a hammer. Who was a sniper up in the stand there with with John? I, my heart went out to him because I suffered with hamstrings a lot, and that looked like a bad one, Alan, because he dropped straight away, and like you compare that to Michael Murphy's one. The day before, Michael made two, maybe 75% runs after he did his. So, like, I mean, he Michael should have been experienced enough not to do that at all. He should have just sat down. But sometimes with a hammer, you feel the little knot coming. Um, you know you have to go off. 
you could probably still go 70%. Like I'd be looking at John Small, six-week job and Michael Murphy, yeah. maybe three, four-week job. Yeah, easily. Um, John's looked bad enough now, to be fair. Um, and as well, there's probably more. We've seen a couple of injuries now in the last last week or so that that kind of why has that happened? Um, and as a result of the games come and take a fast. And maybe the lads haven't got enough training under the belt. Are they doing a bit of extra training during the week? Maybe you wouldn't know what sort of load that's been put on lads at the moment as well, trying to get ready for championship, you know, um, especially the top teams. Um, well, they had no challenge games. Like, they would have had only one challenge game. They had a three and a half week lead in time to the league to straight into competitive matches because you wouldn't have done anything from the Wednesday, you know, on to the, to the Sunday. So three and a half weeks and challenge games were banned for most of that. I think in the very last weekend, they could have had a challenge game. So they're going from zero games, only maybe training A versus B and they wouldn't have done them in the first two weeks probably, yeah. get lads up. You know, it's and then you're coming off your first game, you're really tight. You know, you're trying to loosen up all week, still a bit tight, and you're playing another game the next week. And it, yeah, like, so and lads probably are tight after a game last week, but lads are going to want to play matches now. They know championships only around the corner, so yeah. lads aren't aren't going to want to give up a spot at all. So they're they're they're, they're um, say after last weekend, they have a few days recovery back into training again. It's not a long time to turn around if you're stiff and sore and stuff. I know lads would have been doing stuff before they started back, but you can't replicate what no. what happens in a training match or what happens in a real match. Um, and we're obviously seeing seeing, uh, seeing seeing the repercussions of that now. And look, hopefully the lads get well we, soon. But we we would have focused on this the last. I know it's different because we didn't have COVID, but they also have been focusing as a team. When even with Toronto over the last number of years, you're always trying to replicate high intensity in your off season as much so that you minimise any sort of injuries as you go into the, you know, the mechanic cups in the late, early sets of the league um, and as Alan, Alan said there like it's very hard to replicate that by yourself or even in small groups and that whenever the guys are coming back into things and like, looking at Murphy and Small and you had Paddy Burns as well from Armagh as well went off or looked like a bad enough one as well and I think you know the guys wouldn't have had the time to build the same metrics, you, you know, you use, use the, the staff sports vest and all these vests and for metrics and controlled over the last number of years. And like, you know, we would have put a fairly heavy emphasis on it. And like, the reality is, these guys wouldn't be anywhere near hitting sets two or two and a half thousand high speed meters over the last six months to keep that sort of you talk about a defense up from your, for your hamstrings and your groin injuries. You know, you have to build that sort of tolerance up over, over time. So, you know, there's no way that they, the guys, and I think we'll see more. Um, as the weeks progress in this because you know, the guys really can't have built up that resilience um, no matter what they've been doing by themselves No, no, it's absolutely impossible there's no, there's no way I'm not sure Colin O'Rourke he had a very old-fashioned view of hamstring injuries he couldn't understand them uh, last night in League Sunday at all Like I said, the Monaghan uh, Donegal game was absolutely crazy Donegal are actually playing with eight forwards Six out and out forwards and Morgan and McHugh who pretty much playing as two more forwards. So it's absolutely, it's an incredible um, turnaround. My, my theory on this is this is Stephen Rochford. I think he's gone in with Donegal the last two years under the way Declan Bonner wants to play. And I think after failing the last two years and this could be, there could be under a lot of pressure in their third year, they haven't made a, an all semi final. I think they've handed it over to Rochford because uh, I saw Rochford in the huddle 
Um, he was a lot more vocal. He was up in the stand for a little while, probably for a first couple of years, giving advice down. He was in the middle of that huddle. And there's a lot of similarities to the way Donegal are playing, to the way Mayo are playing, for example, with two wing backs acting as two forwards and all out attack, all out press and leaving themselves vulnerable at the back, which, listen, you can't have it every way. If you're an all out attack team, you're going to have situations where you go, oh, Jesus, that was terrible defending. But is that not all right? You know, because like, I mean, the other way around, oh, that was, you know, good defending. But, you know, we criticise the attack. Like, I know everyone's looking for the balance, Alan, and Dublin probably have the balance. But what's wrong with having teams that just bloody go for it? Isn't it great that we're starting to have a couple? No, it's great for us, but I think it's about trying to find the balance. And I think the the, the Donegal's of the world, the Tyrone's of the world, the Kerry's of the world, they're looking to beat Dublin if we're... Yeah. If we're honest about it. Like, they're going to face Dublin later on in the year, so they're trying to come up with a, with a game plan that can beat Dublin. And, and, and I'm sure Colin will go into it Tyrone would have played defensively against Dublin a number of years ago. Didn't manage to get over a line. They changed. They went. They went a bit more offensive the following year against Dublin. Maybe to try something different. Um, didn't get over a line again. But you could see they were trying to find a find that balance with, like between defence and attack. And if you go all out defence against Dublin, you're not going to beat them. I know Donegal did a few years ago, but you need ex- exceptional force to pull that off at all at the time. They had McFadden and they had Murphy up front. Yeah, and tactically line, they, so they, had they, it, they they got you that day. Yeah, yeah, but it was unlikely it would happen again after they caught us that day. So I think a team needs to find a balance. Um, Stephen Rochford is obviously coming from Mayo. That's how Mayo play with the attacking wing backs and stuff. So, you, so, so, so you're probably right. You can see his imprints on the team, but I think they like they can't leak goals the way they did yesterday if they want to have a have a chance later on. So I'm similar to Kerry, like I'm sure, like he's looking at that yesterday. We just can't leak four goals against Dublin and expect to win a game. Yeah, no, you're probably like the two McCarthy goals, Colin. Like, I mean, and and the Con O'Callaghan goal. Now, I, I know Donegal are coming from a, a a more defensive system where they have cover back, but but I suppose technically this was just horrific defending by Neil McGee, who you'd be surprised with, and Owen Ball Gallagher. Owen Ball Gallagher, funny enough, one that he was a he's an excellent cornerback in a very defensive system because he bombs forward all the time but is he a marking cornerback I would say probably not they need um, Stephen McManaman came back Paddy McGrath who are probably more defensive cornerbacks but this this thing and Con did it to Morley this thing of running for a ball column and then doubling back and you know the cornerback not being goal side of you like the cornerback kind of bald headed going up beside you and allowing that back technically that's desperate and I know like when I was playing that would be desperate and I know we're coming out of the, a defensive era I'm wondering do cornerbacks need to be rewired again Colm to say here hang on a second stay goal side of your man there isn't a Colm Kavanagh on the edge of the square going to come out and meet this fella I think the, the big thing here is a shift in transition and mentality from you know you, you, Daniel said Alan touched on Donegal and Tyrone probably having a burly defensive style over the last number of years to try and stay for Dublin and as he said rightly hasn't worked and like the biggest problem that I seen with Tyrone and I'm now seeing it with Tony Gall is when you're trying to shift from a you know you've been coached for years and years of get back in numbers um, and you can be right up behind your man and take chances because you know there is going to be that cover there to actually bail you out should you slip or should something happen and the man get in behind you because there's always somebody there to do that. But whenever both Donegal and Tron, I think, are trying to obviously transition into this more attacking approach. Um, and the problem then is, yeah, you know, mentality-wise, the defenders are used to having that that, that, that comfort um, and, that, and that blanket and, and are able to go and attack balls. And 
and, and maybe not risk a goal in behind. But um, it, it's, it is very evident McCarthy's goal, McCarthy's goals. You know that simple jinking behind. Um, you know it was very unlike. You know I was sort of watching this police and you know what are like in reality the, the two guys, the two Donegal defenders, uh, McGee and Gallagher should have done way better. Um, so they're probably having uh, you know in their camps probably a change in mindset of actually going back to a bit more traditional old style, old school football of right. Your man on man, your marker, you've no blanket in behind. And that does that, that you have to, you are, re, you are changing the thought process again because you've got to remember both Tyrone and Donegal have been, we've been coached that way for years and years and years of how to, you know, you're maybe blocking space and you're, you know, don't let people out the wings and, or let people out the wings and don't let them in the centre. But suddenly now, ball's kicked in from a, from a good kick pass and you're one on one. It's back to it's back to can you stop your man? Can you stay goal side? Remember, go back to the actual very basic stuff that they would have been taught as a an under twelve and under fourteen player. Um, so there will be a wee bit of there will be a bit of a transition. And like as Alan said, they're like you can't. You're you're ultimately looking to how you're going to, how you're going to stop Dublin. And yes, you want to be more attacking and thrown were criticised for years and years, but not been too attacking. But you also have that fear that with O'Callaghan up front and with the Dublin forwards that they'll tear you apart as well. So you, the balance is. is it's completely vital to try and get that right, and nobody's been able to do it to date. What, what's a what's a good cornerback for you, um, Dan Allen? Like, I mean, I've played in the full forward line. Like, there's some of them will try to beat you out for every ball, but they only have to make one mistake and you're in, right? You know, then the, I, I always thought the smarter fellas stayed goal side of you and very very tight. But always on the goal side of you, and the minute you had that ball, you know they're on you like a rash. But they're not getting caught in behind. Yeah, well, certainly when when when. We played kind of that was the style. It was man on man with a cornerback. He he try stay goal side, wouldn't let you pass. Meet have hands on you. Whereas now, Column's right. Defenders in the last few years ha, ha, have been encouraged to come out in front to attack the first ball because they know there's going to be covering behind. So, um, but I keep coming back. It's about trying to find that balance. Like I don't think you can go gung ho attack against a Dublin or against a Tyrone or a Donegal or whatever and expect to win matches. You need to have a balance at the back where you always have at least one man back that you have an extra. Like like when Con got inside yesterday, like he was straight through from the corner flag. There was nobody could even get back from a half back position. Maybe to get back to get a challenge on him, and it was just like it's too easy. And it's going to be easier when you get to Crow Park with the ground a bit harder. It's going to be easier again for forwards because the ground will be quicker and stuff. So I think. Um, Look, it's probably good that it's happening now for the likes of Donegal. Good that it's happened for Kerry now, and they've conceded those goals. They can have a look at it and see, right? How can we? How can we continue to be the attack of force that we are, but we can't afford to leak goal chances like this? Yeah, exactly. Um, you had um, you had Boyle sent off for for Monaghan and a terrible, uh, terrible first black. He put his foot in and took it out. Um, so I don't know how he got that he deserved his second and then you had Darrow Buell sent off with, for a free that wasn't even a free it was the most outrageous second yellow um, I, I, I ever saw in that game Tyrone beat Armagh um, the other night this was a very soft penalty I thought as well but it was missed in the end like I mean you know would Frank Burns be f- counting himself unlucky to be trying to slap at the ball there column and Rian O'Neill went down onto his knees I've seen I've seen much more obvious penalties than that yeah, I, I, I don't even think that Frank thought it was a penalty himself. He, he sort of tackled it. Now, bear in mind, he did tackle probably what you would count as a, the wrong the wrong hand coming across the man. And when you do that, yeah. it is sometimes very easy for the referee to give that. But when, when I watched it in real time, I was like, that couldn't be a penalty. Like, the, like for, for the things that were going on in the game, like the pitch and, you know, some of the frees that were not given effectively for, for hard challenges. And, you know, sometimes the referee... 
will promote good defending and, and and sort of let things go a wee bit, but then give a soft one on the other end. So it, it was obviously from a probably a bit biased in this that I, I felt that um, it definitely wasn't a penalty, but I suppose justice was done with um, with, with Nell pulling off a pulling off a really good save. Yeah, I think said- it was probably it, it it was probably a bit harsh and probably. Anywhere else in the field, there mightn't have been a free. No, you're entitled what, to slap the ball there. Why even give him the? Why did Frank even give him the opportunity to give him a penalty at that stage? Like he could have, like Frank yeah. is a good enough defender to get back there, to get goal side, to get to get hands on him and just just shadow him out a little bit, push him out a little right. bit. Um, I thought he just made it a little bit easy for the referee to even even give him the option of of awarding a penalty, but but justice probably was was done with a good save from that. Yeah, he did. He he made a good save. It was a great finish by Mark Bradley as well. Our young Derek Canavan set up both goals. Um, strange on his role, Colin, really. Um, Derek Canavan, he's not doesn't play as a as a like he he drifts out field a lot. That's not kind of the role I would have had for him. I think maybe he was getting a little bit desperate for ball. Maybe that wasn't necessarily the tactics. He just wasn't getting too much ball. Tyrone didn't have the kicking game they had the last day. Um, they were a bit slow at their build up. And Armagh were dropping. I think Armagh O'Hanlon was letting Myler off out the field. He wasn't entertaining him, and he was kind of sweeping. And Tyrone's kicking game kind of broke down when the sweeper was there. Yeah, I think it was right. Armagh did drop back, and it probably did stifle Tyrone's kicking. And but you know that's one thing. I think Tyrone were very slow at times coming out from the back. And, you know we're, we're we're happy to. You know, we're happy just to take the solos and take the solos. Now, bear in mind, I think that the guys obviously didn't want to kick it away because Arthur Armagh had a quite 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 a few guys back on that. But it, it gave Armagh by slow by Tron's slow build up play coming out from the back. It did sort of give Armagh that time to get back and sort of. Uh, and I suppose Cannon then probably was a, a victim of that, where he wasn't getting as much ball as he wanted. So he he, he found the he found the space out the pitch and was linking up. He was linking up a lot of play, and he's actually doing an awful lot of. Some selfish work. He had two or three dispossessions, which were you know vital to to, to Thrones' game. And I thought that, to be honest, I thought he was he was superb in the way he sort of got in. Like normally, whenever you're in that role up front, you're not getting the ball. You get frustrated, and then it's very easy just to throw the hands up, and you know you'd be you'd be hooked after after a period of time. But you know he came out, got the ball, linked play. Probably was on two unselfish at times, and you know was, was a vital. You know, he's a vital player for for Toronto at the weekend, and you know, he like he came off, uh, you know, and you know, I done had done a I done a serious job in my opinion. I think he was uh, he he's only showing glimpses at the moment of what he can do. Um, and say the, the days, and if if Toronto are lucky enough to get to Crook Park in the in the hard ground, I think he'll he'll have more to come. He, yeah. he like he more of a he's more of an inside forward though. You know, like I mean, that's it. It just seemed to me that he was out kind of. Trying to get on ball, as in I'm bored in here. Yeah, we've only seen we've obviously only seen glimpses of him, but but like it's hard to be a corner forward in the modern day because there's a lot of defenders back, and especially if you're a bit lighter and 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 the ball's not coming in to get ball can be frustrating. So I think like he showed all the signs of being a very smart footballer. I'm sure Colin testified that like he looks like a smart footballer. Um, he wasn't going to hang around in the corner there eventually get taken off after 45 or 50 minutes because he wasn't getting involved so he obviously yeah. took it about himself to go I need to get involved in the game here and uh, I think he was the last pass for the two goals um, or at least one of them anyway he didn't give Mark Bradley the pass I think he was the last pass for the other goal he too, the, yeah he gave yeah. the two he set up the two um, goals yeah so he looks like a really good link man as well and why not if you're in the corner maybe drift out a little bit maybe try to get on a bit of ball to set some play up and as Colm said he did that very well Um and he looks like a Crow Park sort of player. He looks like 
he looks like he's full of confidence and like he looks like he's ready for um, he looks like he's ready for this stage now and I think he'd be a very important player for Tyrone this year and he's a bit more like the, if you look at say the likes of McCurry he's a really a really good shooter uh, I know he was wearing 11 yesterday but I'm not sure if he has the if he has the running ability maybe to play out at centre forward whereas I'd say I'd say Derek Canavan if he has to play out there he has the legs um, he has the passing ability and he obviously he can obviously score as well so looks like he's going to be a really key player for Tyrone yeah he probably one other thing Colm just on this because Tyrone obviously want to go to a kicking game and to have Myler and McGeary in the forwards now they're they're working forwards now here's the thing I've played wing back if I'm marking Myler like O'Hanlon the other night I'm going to go right what damage is he going to do to me in around midfield is, is it is it any benefit for me to follow him into midfield or will I just hang back here and protect my full back line? Do you get me? And McGeary the same. So say for example yeah. the, the Kerry half forward line you can't let any of them off. The Donegal half forward line if you pick three scorers on your half forward line now you have a kicking game because you might get some space. Yeah. Whereas if you play two defensive forwards I can guarantee you you'll see at least one of their markers dropping as a sweeper and it's a handy sweeper for the the opposition. Yeah, and it's probably something that is sort of the the two the two guys, McGeary and Mailer, are very, very similar players and it's probably they love to get on the ball, they love to go back and like they do work very, very hard and give you everything in the game, but they do go back in looking at handy pass and looking at the ball and you know, love to come out solo on and, and sort of looking up and trying to link play, but you're probably right. You know, wouldn't be known for, you know, kicking two or being able to kick two, three, four points a game and really have that attacking threat for them. So it's a difficult one. Um, it's okay if your half back follows you and sort of goes with you back in and still leaves the leaves the space for the inside forward line and leaves space for the guys who are suppose your your sharpshooters. Um but like playing both of them in a game in that similar type role can be dangerous because you know, you have Matty Donnelly and you have Pity Hart now playing in, uh, in the half-back line as well. So you've suddenly got an awful lot and you can get sucked in there, suddenly having all the guys back in doing, you know, wanting the ball, wanting that handy pass, coming out slow play and then having very little up front to hit. So it's, it's, again, you talk about the balance and everything, like, you know, do you play a more out-and-out fo- out forwards up there to possibly, you know, keep guys honest is probably, you know, going to be a difficult thing for the guys to try and sort of work out because they're, Miller and McGeary are two super players for Tyrone. They'll be two starters in, in, in anyone's eyes, but ultimately you're looking at the team as a whole and have you got the right balance in that forward lane um, on defence that, you know, I suppose they've sacrificed Matty and Pity back into the defence. So um, it'll be an interesting one to watch over the coming weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe one. We actually discussed one. this last week when we were talking about, say, the great half forwards, and you look at, you talk about Brian Dewar, Paul Flynn. Paul Galvin those guys did the work but they were also always a threat in the scoreboard like Paul Flynn at the start of his career maybe not so much but over the next couple of years he became he was always good for two or three points or yeah. a goal in the game Brian Dewar was the same Paul Galvin was the same they always they always chipped in on the scoreboards and it is crucial for your if you're going to play with work and half forwards that they are contributing to the scoreboard in some in some fashion I think that's the and 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 maybe they're at a stage in their career where they're, where, where, where they just need to have a look at that and then you then you make the step up like when Paul Flynn started I remember texting Paul Flynn Kerry won the All-Ireland final but, uh, would have been the start of his career I can't remember what year it was maybe on nine yeah. but I said to him watch how watch how Paul Gavin links the play watch how he always gets involved in, in, in scoring opportunities because Paul Flynn was all about the work at that stage wanted to chase back wanted to get tackles on wanted to get breaking ball but 
but he wasn't contributing on the scoreboard. But look, we all know what happened there, and it like he became a very important scorer for Dublin. So maybe that's the next step the two boys need to take is we need to make an impact on the scoreboard yeah. as well. Or, yeah, or even being creative. Like if you're like Niall Scully, he has to be marked because he's going to give in some nice spot. You have to have something yeah. that's going to make sure that the defender wants to wants to tackle you. Like to air just quickly on this lad. Oh, by the way, Maddie Donnelly's a huge culprit for slowing the ball down coming out from centre half back. I'm not sure that's the position. I don't want you to say anything about your old teammate, <laughs> Collie. But he's very, very slow, lateral and, you know, slowing things down a little bit like the old Tyrone rather than the new Tyrone. And maybe he needs to get that out of his head if he's if he's playing at centre back. Poor Jamar Hall, lads, right? So now, OK, he's on Peter Hart. He's just been hit for 1-1 by a wing back. There's nothing worse than that, right? So he's under pressure. He's got, trying to play his way into the game. He kicks a lovely point. And the decision has been made before he kicks this point. Jamar's off. To go to bring, bring on Paul Hughes as a tactical change. He's a defender to mark Peter Hart. And I've played attack and wing back. I love when they take the forward off to bring on a defensive one. Now, now you're playing as a forward as a wing back. It's even better. But Jamar Hall, I always remember Mick O'Dwyer and I'd be sitting on the bench, unfortunately, the odd time with Leash. And you'd see him that he'd have decided somebody's coming off. And then they kick a point and he'd, he'd run over. No, 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 no. Ch- he changed his mind. That scoring that point, scoring that point, Collie, traditionally saved you. But in the modern game, you're still coming off. Yeah, look, I, I thought it was, yeah, look, the decision was obviously made at that point. And, you know, as you say, you normally get that score and it's a, it's a scrambling match to, to, to get it, you know, to get it cold or whatever. But, um, uh, you know, I think PD was, was was going very well from that half back piece and was one of the, you know one of the key guys for Toronto on the day on that day. So, um, you know, at the same time, you know, it was just a it's probably a timing issue there. The guys had already made their decision, um, and you know, ultimately fell, um, you know, fell foul of that. So, um, but you know, that's that's the way it goes. Unfortunately, sometimes for the guys, probably a wee bit unlucky on that regard. Like, but um, probably to that point, you know. Game stuff I've probably seen that you know there was been too much influence coming from the drum and half back end, especially PD and that. So um, you know you can't blame him for for following through on his what his original gut was just because the man kicks a point uh, just in the last in the last second. Yeah, well I'm sure Jamar Hall will be thinking, look, he's one one now. I have a point. Uh, you know, by the time this game's over, <laughs> you know I'll have taken him on. He never got the chance to kind of fight back against uh, against Peter. Armad made five subs before half time. Very unusual. Like one or two were were injuries, but like, I mean, you're take, making five substitutes. I know you're allowed seven. You know, it's it's unusual. McGee kind of does things like that, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he does. It is obviously strange. Uh, I think there was two or three injuries. That was a, he, he had a couple of injuries in the full back line, I think. But um, yeah, like Armand were decent. I thought they were decent in the game. Um, obviously, Tyrone played well, but I think he's doing a good job there, Kim. Um, Kieran McGee he's a couple of uh, a couple of young guys coming through and they do seem to be gelling a bit. They played some lovely football. Um, I know we mentioned Rian O'Neill's pass, like that pass for the goal was was was, was an outrageous ball, a great yeah. finish. So they do look to be playing some decent football. Whether they're quite at the levels of, of the of the Tyrone's and the Donegal's yet, I'm not sure, but I think they're definitely going in the right direction. Yeah, I don't think I don't think they are. I don't know what's happening with Derry. Um, Rory Gallagher, maybe he fell on his head or something and forgot about this defensive football because they're they're running up huge scores, 19 point win against Fermanagh. And this is Fermanagh who won last weekend, you know, and won uh, impressively. Derry um, destroyed Longford the week before by 16 points. Now, I was wondering, have Derry completely changed their style as well? So I was reading the match report from last week's game against Longford. This was not one for the purists. So, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe Gallagher hasn't uh, changed his spots. Did you see Paddy Cunningham's point, uh, Collie, to, to win it yesterday? It would remind, 35 years old. 
Um, he didn't want to come back this year. Enda McGinley, your old buddy, uh, talked him into it. His powers of persuasion got Paddy. He's only going to be an impact sub. Um, Alan, I don't know if you saw it, but it was very like Kieran McDonald's winning point in 2006. I'm sorry to bring that up to you. One of those <laughs> lovely points from, from his bad side. Um, you know, one thing about Twitter and Antrim, I don't know legally how they're able to do this, put these videos up, but it's fantastic that you might get to see a score that League Sunday simply can't, you know, cover every hi- all the highlights. I, I, I didn't see the score, uh, but no one, I, I obviously played with Paddy Cunningham in Sanction Cup days. I know what he's capable of, so he... Uh, a fantastic, you know, 35 years of age coming back into the fold and has been a big player in the first two games for them. Um, and yeah, like the one thing about him that about Paddy is that anywhere on the pitch, uh, if you get him the ball, he, he doesn't miss. Um, he, he's seriously accurate and, uh, and look, it's great to see him. It's great to see him back into the fold. And um, obviously, obviously, had stepped away for a number of years in that. And look, he's a uh, I say he's a he's a sharpshooter of of the of the kind. Yeah, exactly. And we've five hundred supporters uh, at matches next week. Next week in the six counties, which is just unbelievable. Ulster football is where it's at, Alan. This might be a bitter <laughs> pill to swallow. We always looked at Ulster for the last ten years. Ah, that's terrible, boring. I'll shite up there. Like you know, it's the hard man stuff and the defensive stuff. And at least we play a bit of football down here. Now they're playing football. They'll have five hundred fans cheering them on, and we have to take our medicine sometimes. Yeah, and no, it's been fantastic. And it's, it's like, like it's hard to put your finger on. Is it a fact that 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 the, that teams are saying, okay, we need to go a bit more offensive because if we want to beat the likes of a Dublin, we have to, we have to, we have to score more. Or is it that maybe there's only a week between games, so they don't have, we don't really have time to be looking at stuff in depth, so they're not getting their systems right. Um, look, I hope it's that that the game is. It's look, look, we've always said this will be cyclical, so something comes for a couple of years and the game keeps evolving and changing. And I suppose we're back to the stage now where 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 teams just want to attack more. And I think we will see with all the goals conceded yesterday, Donegal conceding the goals, Kerry conceding the goals. That next weekend we'll see it. We'll see it shored up a little bit, especially with the likes of those teams because they won't want to be conceding that level of goal chance again. Yeah, I think, Colly, just to finish up on this point, like, I mean, it's very obvious to me. Like, I mean, Donegal, Monaghan, Tyrone have looked at what teams have given Dublin the most trouble, Kerry and Mayo. What way do they play? Have have our systems worked for the last five, six years? No. Let's try something different. It's You know, it's fairly clear to me that they've all kind of realised this in the last year. <laughs> It's only taken six years. <laughs> it's only taken five, six years to, to, to work that out. But look, there's, there's no doubt. I think the teams are looking at who's getting double in the trouble. Definitely, like one hundred percent. We did. Like we, you know, we were always looking, and it might have looked looked at it. Uh, it might have looked that way from watching it, like throwing the double over the years. But we, we we purposely did try and go more attacking. But again, back to changing mentalities and changing people the way that they've been coached for years it takes time. It's going to take time and. You know, Alan talked about you know the the amount of goals there at the weekend, and that you know you might see it shored up a wee bit next week. But ultimately, if you, if we keep if those teams keep doing what they've been doing for the last number of years, they're not going to get anywhere. It's it just it's just not going to happen. So I think the pennies finally dropped. Um, and also football that we said, look, forget it's the pandemic. Maybe give us a bit of a a bit of clarity uh, over the whole thing of right guys, let's go and start attacking these teams. You know. I would have said it always. I'd rather have gone out. I remember getting beat by Dublin um, years ago, and I can't remember the year. Uh, but I remember us losing heavily, and we we still sat back in a 
in a, in a defensive shape, we were losing by five, six, seven points, and our team was sitting, you know, in 45, still defending. And I remember just screaming at guys to get out. And, you know, that, that's the way we'd be coached for years. And Danny Galls and Monin started to do, you know, we're obviously doing the same. And I think the pen, penny has now dropped where he was going, look, you know, that doesn't work anymore. We have to go and attack it. If we lose by 10 points, that's okay. But, if, you know, losing by 10 points or losing by five or six, does it really matter? Teams have to go and attack. Um, and I think. Like looking at Armagh, looking at Throne especially, um, obviously Donny Gall, like, the, the, the teams have really good attacking options there. And, you know, they, they have to start trusting these guys and going, right, keep you up top, do what Kerry and Mayo do, keep the forwards up the field. Um, you know, you can, can get back at certain times, but ultimately that's trust, trust, trust our kicking game and keep forwards up the pitch and that's do a bit of damage. Ultimately, you will concede more at the back, but... You know what's what's the alternative at this point? Yeah. Nobody can stop Dublin, so they have to try something. I wonder our players having a bit of an input into it as well. Like you have a short intercounty career, and a few play to the likes of Monon or whatever, or um, for the last few years playing in a defensive style. Did you come pissed off with that after a while and say, "Hold on a sec, we only have a few years. Of this. Let's go and have a right go." That if we lose playing a defensive style of football, fair enough. But at least we had a at least we had a good crack at it. So, like as we know, players are smart now, all all, all very tactically astute. Um, yeah. So maybe they're having an input as well. I think you're right. I think that was a big yeah, quality. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Callum, go on. No, I, I just know that we like, we would have watched videos for years, and then you're follow, not following the Dublin template, but they're trying to analyse it. Going, how do we how do we improve? And we did try and actively try and push more men up the pitch, and you know, do effectively do what we're what, what the teams are doing now. But I said probably because of just the way we were wired and the way we've been coached for a long, long time, it, it just never happened for us. And never probably see, you know people watching the game didn't see that. But um, you know, I think there's definitely on your right. There's players who have been just said, look, that enough's enough. Like we have to start going and attacking the games and um, get out of this old way of playing. And uh, no doubt they have they're having a massive input in the probably all them teams you just mentioned. Yeah, what used to annoy me about the def- really defensive tactics is that the defensive teams would have about five extra defenders and they would be called a brilliant defensive team. I'm like, that's easy. <laughs> How easy is that? Like, if there was five extra forwards up one end of the field, you'd actually say, this is not fair. Actually, get some more players back to, you know, to mark them. That's not, that's not fair on the defenders. Do you know what I mean? It was the analysis that you're a great defensive team. For me, a great defensive team is six defenders who can mark six forwards and keep, like, you know, maybe Mayo might have them. Dublin Fair have good one-on-one defenders. And I think Donegal, Tyrone Monaghan, they will over the next two or three years. They'll have to find them. You know, or else they're going to be in trouble. Because if you can't stand up your man and you can't stop him from getting in goes side of you, you're you're, yeah, you're in trouble. Yeah, that's the first thing we always spoke about in Dublin was it's it like it's a battle between you and your man. It's great when you have cover there, but you but it's not a, like the way Dublin were playing. The cover wasn't always going to be there, even though we always tried to have one man back. So you need to be able to defend by yourself. And you looked like some Nicholas sign. It was on the, look. Every team has great defenders. Maybe as as like as Colm said, it's just it, it's a mindset and it's a mentality, and it just takes a bit of time to get that right. But I think that's looks that looks to be the way the game is heading now. So I'm sure that's that's what's ahead of us for the summer as we move into Crow Park. And like it'll be fantastic to see those sort of games. In Crow Park, where 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 the likes of Tyrone or the likes of Donegal are playing with five or six forwards up, and if you look at Tyrone, you, uh, Kyle McShane, McCurry, Mark Bradley, Derek Canavan, it, hopefully Matty Donnelly gets out of number six either into midfield or up Connor to Connor McKenna forward. too, and Donnelly. Connor, Connor McKenna's McKenna, form so is yeah, the, like you have five or six forwards there of the highest quality, and that 
means those five or six forwards have to be marked and have to be marked highly. So that changes the way the game is played when those guys when those guys play up. Yeah, exactly. Right. We'll come back and we'll look at the big one, which was Dublin and Kerry. All right, so Dublin 4-9, Kerry 1-16. A really good game. A bit of a cagey first half, Alan. I think the big uh, talking point from the first half was it took me ages to figure out where everybody was going. So McMahon went back into the defence. Merchant, he went back in cornerback. Merchant came out onto the wing. James McCarthy went to midfield. Incredibly, Brian Fenton went to centre forward and I'd never seen that before but it definitely threw Kerry because, like, I mean, Fenton needs to be watched. Does David Moran go back on him? You you could see off camera Moran marking him. Does Moran want to be centre back? No. Now Crowley's moving into midfield. Like, just a simple tactical uh, switch like that. I'm wondering should Dublin may- maybe shouldn't have used it like in a league game like that but it was definitely an interesting thing for them to do yeah yeah. to be honest it kind of threw me a little bit I was looking at the throw and I saw James McCarthy and I was like where's Brian Fenton I was like is he going to centre forward or is he going to centre back or where is he going is this a training ground move so it was it was interesting from the start and he won a couple of balls to centre forward he probably started to drift a little bit out towards midfield again but I think I think David Moran did go back and pick him up it was hard to see in the TV but I think he did go back so obviously he was here mark to mark from the start yeah. and um, it kind of threw them a little bit. But I thought Kerry were very good in the first half. Now, now there was a couple of goals kind of kind of threw them. But I thought they were definitely the best team, and they were probably the best team throughout. I think Dublin looked a, looked a little bit off. And I think when you see, um, just talking about Brian Fenton, he gave away a ball for one of the um, Dermot O'Connor intercepted a high ball. He gave into the middle. Like it's very very rare you see Brian Fenton give a ball away like that. So I suppose that shows that that Dublin were a little bit rattled. And I think, as I said earlier on the show, only the only the brilliance maybe of Conor Callahan up front. Um, really gave Dublin the opportunity to compete in the match because I thought Kerry were superior around the field, probably created more opportunities and took more opportunities. Yeah, no, I would agree with that, uh, Colm. Carried a better team over the whole hour, but probably didn't deserve to win it based on their defending. No, probably not. I think Kerry backed themselves um, a lot in this game. You know, you see from their kick, from Dublin kickouts, they were pushing up and, you know, and really, really trying to squeeze hard on them to try and win. And I think ultimately... You know, that worked and give them that sort of interest in the game. But um, overall, yeah, Kerry, I think, deserved it. Dublin were relying on Con effectively and, and then goals to, to sort of see them through. And as we bit Dublin, I'm sort of watching it in disbelief. It's been a while since I've seen Dublin not push on and not really take over a game. And normally when they get ahead, they're very, very hard to break down. And they're, you know, back to what we chatted about earlier, they kept, they were able to keep the ball for long periods of time and then pierce holes. And, ultimately worry down as a team but look, Kerry I think just overall probably you know were the better teams um, and I said bar a lot of poor enough defending you know and you know they'll the look at that and they'll be very annoyed with their defending like, and it was it was some of the goals just weren't probably uh, wouldn't have covered didn't cover themselves in glory but Ultimately, overall, I think they were, you know, they backed themselves, they pushed up hard in the kickouts. They really, you know, they really forced, there were some nice passages of play by both teams. But, um, you know, there were, I think in the first half, there was seven ways each after about 30 minutes, very unlike both teams. Uh, I'm sort of watching it going, what's going on here? <laughs> Especially for Dublin, you know, it just wasn't happening. But 
um, uh, you know, a great game and a, you know, turned out a, a, it's turning into a great rivalry between these two teams. The, the Ty Morley was probably at, at fault for two of the Dublin goals. Like, I mean, we, we mentioned this already, letting, letting Con inside and geez, Con's finish was brilliant because not only was it the dummy bounce, did he almost feign to kick it as well as dummy bounce. Did you see yeah, that? Whatever yeah, he did, but he completely sold the goalie. But the Costello goal, like, I mean, I don't know who was marking Paddy Small in the first half. Again, you have to be at the match because I said he was just getting the freedom of the whole bloody park. I think he was at wing forward on, on Gavin White, but you can't be 100% sure. I think it was Kilkenny, Con and Costello in the full forward line but to be switching around but Paddy Small caused all sorts of problems but as he was soloing in that time like Tyg Morley was standing inside the six yard box and just left Costello standing right out in front of him and like that's the goalie's job to cover that goal you know because Small's coming in at an angle but he just left Costello handy there for the hand pass and an easy goal like he was he was marking nobody standing inside the box if the goalkeeper can't come out and close that angle and you stay touched tight and Costello like Morley's not a natural full back and he does make mistakes in there Yeah maybe that's that. That's I'm sure that's something they look at in the video this week but uh, and maybe a bit more communication from a goalkeeper or, or, or maybe somebody yeah. coming back from a half back line like it looked like it took a long time from them kind of coming in from the wing should have been somebody coming back from a half back line to help them out and I think that was a problem with Kerry kind of right throughout that, that as Colm said they had a high press on the Dublin kickouts, which was very, very effective. Um, and kind of Evan Comerford, he made a couple of mistakes when he had to kick it long. Kerry turned him over a couple of times. And um, obviously, when Stephen Cluxon comes back and go, that might change that a little bit. The, 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 uh, he can dictate a bit more from in goals. But uh, like some of the Kerry fending was, he didn't get enough men back at all, particularly with the guys that were playing inside for Dublin and I'm sure that's something they look at in the video this week and I think the first goal, Con's first goal, um, it was a nice bit of movement from Con. I think it, it's 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 like sometimes with a really good forward that is really good movement, you just can't stop it um, and I think Tyke Morley was obviously trying to defend in front to stop Con getting the ball, a little slip and he was gone in behind but he had a lot of work to do from there as you said and, and I was actually watching it with my young lad and, and, and so watch this for a dummy the way he went around the goalkeeping he finished, like it was brilliant the way he finished it um, Sometimes you just I think, can't I think, stop that move, that, I think that spin move from Con and McCarthy, you know, off it's becoming like a you see a lot more guys doing it. And it, it, it's easy for us to say that you know, uh, you should have done better in defending, but as you, Alan, you just touched on it there, like sometimes no matter how far or how close you're on the on the guy, if he can do that at spin at speed, it's it's impossible to mark it because you're trying to get that first ball. If you let him have that first ball. He's still liable to do you damage, but ultimately if he gets in behind, you know, it's a goal. So that we that we spin that we that we spin off move coming out looking at it and dipping in behind is becoming more more regular. And I suppose because Kerry did push up and went hard um on Dublin in terms of their kickouts and whatnot, they didn't have that cover there. So I don't think we can have it both all the way like both ways effectively because we're you know, we're criticizing we're we're all criticizing Kerry and their defend, which is probably they deserve a bit of flag for it, but you know they are actually trying to push up a lot more and ultimately there's going to be more chances in the head. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, this is the trade-off between playing like the two wing forwards were Dara and Paul Ganey who, who are obviously attacking wing forwards. So that's the trade-off of playing two guys like that versus playing two defensive wing forwards who would probably get back there or would at least be coming back to maybe allow a midfielder or a half-back to drop back into that space yeah. in front of the goal. When you play those two lads, they're probably not doing that themselves. They're trying to stay up to, to, to keep the Dublin defenders honest and that's the trade-off. Well, Jack Barry against Galway was very, very obvious. You could see him getting back 
as much as he could in, uh, into that D. And he wasn't playing. And Dermot O'Connor doesn't really do that role because it was actually James McCarthy doing that for Dublin as mm-hmm. much as he could. And D- Dermot O'Connor played well because he was kind of in between stools that James wasn't paying him off all that much attention. He was more worried about the kind of ball Clifford um, was getting. It was interesting that he took off Gini. Gini's just not a wing forward for me. Just He's just not. And I was surprised that he actually played as an orthodox wing forward. I thought he was more in the corner and Paddy Clifford came out in the wing against Galway. But uh, David Moran came off. Who slow? I mentioned Maddie Donnelly slowing things down, Colin. David Moran seems to think he has to take on a man and go past him every time he gets the ball. Like I mean, and he does slow it down. And uh, like him, him and Gini getting taken off in the forty-fourth minute. Kerry went on to win to to over the next twelve minutes. They won they won eight points to one. Now I'm not putting it down to the two boys going off, but definitely David slows things down a little bit. He, he does definitely and we like I said back I was thinking back years we always would have watched and we knew as soon as he got the ball he always went back for that pass and he always wanted to take you on regardless of whether it was the right thing to do whether he could have kicked the ball off the line or a simple fist pass he never seemed to use it he always wanted to go past you and make a break a line hey, and to be honest was absolutely very a very very difficult man to stop him yeah he's that. very good he's at it powerful. he's a good he's a good jig on him and he's very skillful so we both feet whatever but he does at times, you're right, he does sort of, he has that sort of slow play and he'll drift about and then he'll explode past the line. Um, which, again, you know, when you're playing Dublin and, and teams like that, you want to try and move the ball fast and, you know, trying to get them, uh, try to get them holes pierced on them early. Um, and like Dave Moran is a serious kick passer of the ball. He, you know, there's, he, he can do it. So um, it's sort of sometimes frustrating to watch. Gainey, on the other hand, is 100% for, in my opinion, a, Inside forward, he, he can win it, especially now with the with the mark and whatnot. Like he, he he was a really good ball winner in my opinion. He could come out and win a ball, and he had two good feet. So it's sort of a strange one to see him playing out there. In my opinion, I thought that you know he he would be far more dangerous in the inside line, be able to win them, you know, win that that dirty ball, that high ball. He could win anything coming into him. So and with, you know, he can obviously a fairly prolific shooter as well. So um, it's yeah, it's when you look at Paddy Clifford Paddy Clifford inside, he looks like he'd work all day for you. Like he's real, he's loads of energy around the full forward line. So it'll not be a natural switch. Maybe even if they swapped in and out during the first half. Or, um, but uh, yeah, Paul Gainey playing forward. I actually sent a text message to a few lads in a WhatsApp group. I don't think Paul Gainey would be too comfortable out with number 12 at all. Because you just know he's so long playing in the inside forward line. He's just not going to be ready to do that level of work as a half forward. Or just hasn't got it in his mindset to do that level of work as a half forward. Um, and I think that's probably something Kerry need to look at uh, with regards to David Moore and you can see a couple of times when he gets the ball around the middle the full back line know it's a kick pass coming you can see him lining up like at stages it nearly looks like it was a free kick from he's having a look up for a couple of seconds to see what pass he can find and I think what that does uh, it gives the opportunity for the half backs maybe just to drop a little bit he got intercepted a couple of times with long kick pass gives the half back line just a couple of seconds to drop a little bit in front right. of the full back line um, and He's too obvious in what he wants to do. Yeah, he wants to go too, past the fella who's in front of him. He's always look. looking for the kick pass instead of maybe just maybe a little give and go just to keep it moving or whatever. And, and 
obviously been taken off after 44 minutes or whatever it was, is, 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 was probably because of that. They thought he was slowing the play down and they, they just wanted to move quicker. So it's probably something he needs to look at going into the summer. Yeah, that's a good point because, like, I mean, geez, I've often complimented him on the show here before where he's able to go past a fella and the fella could be slapping out of him and Moran's not even entertained. He doesn't look like he's in under any pressure. He's, he's just head up looking into the full forward line, maybe making it too obvious, like you're yeah. saying, Adam, like what he's actually looking for. And he eventually kind of swats past the man but like, I mean, it's taken him a bit of energy and, you know, it's slowed down a bit and then maybe a little bit too obvious, like you say, and what he's trying to do. Yeah, so that's, that's, a, that's an interesting one. Dublin missed Dean Rock though, Alan, you have to say. Like, I mean, they turned down a few frees. Costello did, missed one or two. Towards the end there, you saw Fenton Probably freeze Rock would have taken on. Fenton was just keeping it moving on with the with a free out of the hands. Yeah, Cormac mightn't have the range. There was a couple there. They're about in the, the forty five yard line, or maybe yeah. a yard or two outside. That maybe Cormac hasn't got the range from there. Um, but yeah, look, any team is going to miss a free taker of the calibre of Dean Rock. Like anywhere inside fifty yards, he's a he he's a fairly good chance of sticking her over. So um, hopefully we'll see him back soon. But look, there's going to be good competition replacing that Dublin forward line as there always is. Um, like Cormac Costello has done well. At the, like he's clocked up good scores two weeks in a row now. So um, I think he'd won three from play yesterday and three free. I think he finished at one six. I think he finished at one two nine la- two six last week. Was he? Yeah, remember now, like but that, he's, yeah. he's um he got two three yesterday. Two three. So he's clocking up good scores. Yeah, one one three from play. Yeah, you're right. So he no, he is clocking up and he deserves it. But it was just unusual. They could have slowed that all down. Dean Rock score a pint, take the sting out of it. it. They looked a little bit like they were scrambling, maybe a little bit more. What do you make of Tommy Walsh, Colin? Because like I mean, if I was a Dublin player, sometimes yeah, I always wonder like, does Tommy Walsh make my first Kerry team? And you might say, you know, borderline, maybe not. Does Dublin want Tommy Walsh to play? And I would say absolutely not. So you know what I mean? Against Dublin, I would start Tommy Walsh rather than bring him on when it get the game gets a little bit too desperate. Yeah, you know it's kind of strange why they haven't started him in more games. Um, you know, haven't played against him. He's obviously a massive man, and he knows how to win ball fairly well, and he's actually a smart enough player. So. Like, if nothing else, he gives Kerry something that complete different. Where you know, and one thing that we tried to get up, even tried to get up to Dublin, we thought we felt that Dublin's full back line for years maybe wasn't as strong as it could have been. And like, Tommy Walsh would be there to exploit not just you know that high, like not always just a big high ball, but he can win more. Like the way the game is now and the rules, he would be a serious asset. Uh, I don't know if he's a, much of a free taker if he started to win more advantage marks, but he. He's been strange. I always thought I would start him. Not just against Dublin, I would have started him in a lot more games um, over the years just because he's that size, he's that physical presence. Um, if you look at the Dublin team, who goes back to Markham? Do you have to bring McCarthy back in to maybe mark to, to mark him for size and whatnot? So he, he just throws a different sort of a different take on it um, and, and provides a different threat than, than, than what Kerry you know, typically would, would rely on. So um, but I think come I've been cry, I, I'm a big fan of his. I've been crying out for years of why Kerry hadn't played him a bit more because he, he definitely caught he would cause serious problems early on in games and would, would force Dublin and other teams to really reshuffle their pack. I know we were obviously played Kerry and we were sort of trying to tactically think about if he had a started who goes back to Markham. I was potentially earmarked to go back in if he had a started at, at, at full forward. I would have went back into fall back to the fact that we mark him because of his size, because Ruben McNamee and that wouldn't have had the same size as him. So he definitely throws up a different uh, a different sort of set of challenges for, for, for teams and uh, sort of 
you know, bringing them into the game sometimes is, is hard because, you know, players then have to adjust and adapt a new way of, you know, nearly as the way they're playing because they're used to playing that, that ball in front. Yeah, like he's definitely disruptive yeah. uh, and he caused disruption for other teams. Like even you saying you were going to have to go back to Markham. Is that not a reason to like, play him? Even if James what, McCarthy's yeah. going to go back, isn't it a great reason to get James McCarthy out of a half back line or out of a midfield to the back at the full back? Yeah. Um, but he seems like he's played bit parts for the last few years. Like it's like he's kind of struggled to get any a run of games in a row and like a fellow with his talent, there's no doubt he has the talent and with the mark he could obviously be be very effective why not play him for give him three four games in a row instead of playing him a half here he might start the next day 14 minutes and he struggled to get any real momentum behind him um, but he looked even seeing him I was watching the game yesterday and seeing him in the huddle he did a lot of talking in the huddle after the game yesterday Peter Keane spoke first for a few minutes and then he spoke for a minute or two in the huddle after so he's obviously he's obviously a leader in the group um, obviously very committed to it and, and like he is a player that, that I think he, I think teams would be fearful of because of the, the X factor he brings or whatever. You just don't know one high ball into him. He's so big and strong. He could like Danny he did in his early career, like he made he was so disruptive as a full forward. Um so I think he's definitely a good option for Kerry. Yeah, yeah that's we that's where the penalty came from was a, a kind of a long hopeful ball that broke, you know, and it was uh, Stephen O'Brien picking up the break. Sean O'Shea was excellent. He came into it really well in the second half when they needed him and Clifford obviously um was brilliant. Uh, pretty much the whole way through. Um, right, boys, we'll leave it there. Um, we've done enough on that game and we'll come back and we'll do performance of the weekend. All right, performance of the weekend. First one is Reen O'Neill and you've touched on him already, Alan. Um, you know, he the pass, like you said, for the goal, won a softish penalty but was in there, scored an absolutely brilliant point. I think centre half forward uh um Alan is probably his best position in that. him and him and Ushin are, are strange ones in that they're huge big physical men, but they play like footballers. Like they don't they don't necessarily uh, be a criticism I'd have of them. They don't maybe use their physicality enough. They seem to be, they play like small men. Is that a stupid thing to say? Or they're just relying yeah, yeah. their skill more than their size, whereas they have the, the kind of, they could be completely dominating players. Yeah, well, look, like there's no doubt he's a footballer. And looking at the pass I said earlier on for the goal, it was uh, even the vision to see it and then, then the audacity to even try it and the skill to pull it off in the end, I thought it was fantastic. And for me, that was probably the, I think it was mentioned on, 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 um, on Sunday Sport last night as well. It was probably was the probably was the highlight of the weekend for me that pass, particularly coming from from my own eyes as a centre forward, and um, it was a beautiful piece of vision. But yeah, he looks a real footballer, and I said I think Kerry McGinley definitely has Amar going in the right direction. Maybe not quite at the level of the of the top two or three in Ulster yet, but they're uh, they're certainly on the right road, and he's a huge part to play in it for sure. Yeah, and he, yeah. Was, he was really really effective, and he was involved in most really good things that Amar did in that game. I think he's. I think maybe yeah, at centre forward. Oshin O'Neill is the brother is at full forward, comes out a little bit. Uh, Colin, Kieran, like Kieran Donahue's in there with the forwards. There was nothing outstandingly obvious to me of what Kieran's necessarily doing doing with them. Oshin O'Neill playing at full forward. I know. I know. Maybe it's very lazy uh, analysis to say right. Well, Kieran Donahue was a big full forward who liked direct ball. Now Arma are going to play that exact. You know, exact way. Maybe you know it's more subtle what he's doing. Um, I'm not too sure but you probably would like to see Ushing being used like the goal came off a pass into him a layoff off the shoulder and like I mean that worked really well that was a hand pass that was given to him for that goal you know like I mean he has the ability to win ball and lay it off I would have liked to seen maybe a little bit more consistency in that tactic Yeah look uh, that, that piece of play especially was you know was fairly slick and you know 
you would love to see him coming back out to win more a lot more ball and but do, do you see glimpses of things changing there with Arma? I was really impressed with their attacking play, but in the, in the first couple of weeks here, um, you know, they are trying to, you know, as I say, expand their game a wee bit more. Okay, they're not using Oshimil all the time, whatever, but he he provides a serious threat in, the, threat in there, and a bit like Tommy Walsh as well. That okay, hasn't the same physical presence and throwing himself about, but definitely is an option in there. It gives teams headaches, and can act, can come out and win ball. Like Donahue was a master of coming out to you know to take that ball early it returned flipped it off and scores come off him like so that's that's another piece that Armagh now have in their in their armory and that, that they can play and the two brothers obviously the two guys have fairly good link up play and you know they seem to really look for each other and that so um, I I be honest I was fairly impressed so far with with Armagh's forward play and I think you know as I honestly touched on I think they're going they're they're definitely going in the right direction. As much as it pains me to say, um, but their you know their their attack and play is is fairly improved, and you know they're definitely getting a lot more opportunities than than, than what they had. And I felt in the game against Toronto, I felt Toronto have far too much up up, up front, um, you know, to, to, to really steamroll their defence. But you know, it didn't really it didn't really pan out that way, unfortunately. And you know, Armagh were able to get. You know, scores of plenty of Yeah, our bar probably in the Galway. They're at the, uh, probably the a level just slightly below. Interesting to see where Monaghan end up because Monaghan have been on a level a little bit above them. Like, I mean, they're coming with a whole new team. Conor McCarthy, obviously, 3 1. Um, in the first half, you know, three brilliant goals, three brilliant finishes. Um, went completely out of it in the second half, actually, and missed a terribly easy chance for him to to win it at the end. Um, they actually missed two chances at the end. Um, to win at Monaghan, but they're they're just they're coming with a lovely, lively little team again. Six forwards that are playing the forwards. Mulligan at centre forward looks a very good player. O'Hanlon is a speed demon, and Bannigan. That's a half forward line. I know Bannigan's played wing back, but he's a he's a forward. So they have a full half forward line that plays as forwards. So they have to be watched, right? So now your half back line's in trouble because they have to be marked. Like I mean, and they have Ryan McInnesby back as a wing back. He's played wing forward, and Carl O'Connell. There you go. There's your model: six forwards, two wing backs, another eight forwards in Monaghan, lads, and they're buzzing. They're young. They're lively. They caused uh, uh, Donegal all sorts of problems and. Could have had a lot more goals than they scored, and they're another team that um, have, are looking. I think at that Mayo uh, model, all out at like attack forwards that can score pressure on kickouts. I called Mayo heavy metal football, like Klopp last year. Like I mean, that's what I saw, and I see Monaghan going down that road. They're a very exciting team to watch. Couple of experienced lads to come back, and I would be very, very. Um, enthusiastic if I was a Monaghan fan they, they didn't win any All-Ireland they didn't get to an All-Ireland final um, they've won a couple of Ulsters this team could win an Ulster and they'd be an ex- incredibly exciting team to go and support um, yeah, yeah yeah, and they've always competed probably slightly above maybe where we think they should um, for maybe the last 10 years or so but like you're right that they, they, they're a lot of their play is built off the two wing backs bombing forward and there's like this serious pace from those two lads Carl O'Connell especially and for years he's been a very exciting wing yeah. back and um, like as you say they've they've kind of come from that defensive model again and they're playing a bit more offensive and um, like it showed yesterday the goal chance I don't know they got, they got four goals and probably another three or four decent chances like, yeah. it's, like a side of that so they could easily have had six goals maybe in that game so um I think they'll certainly be in twos by the way they're playing and obviously as you say man and supporters watching will be very in by the brand of football they're playing. And they're another team who are maybe evolving who are evolving again or having a look like as you say at the Mayos and stuff saying this is the way we want to play if 
when we get to Croke Park if we're to have any chance and like are they a serious All-Ireland contender? Probably probably not at this stage. They're probably still a couple of years off it, but certainly up in Ulster. Um, like as we know, anything can happen on any given year and, and, and if a Tyrone or a or Donegal weren't weren't on the money against the Monaghan Monaghan certainly could beat them in the Ulster well, Championship. That's exactly it. If Donegal drew Tyrone, for example, you know, Monaghan might only have to beat one of them and Monaghan would be well capable on the evidence um, of the other other day column. Like, I mean, it, it, it again, it's, it, we're almost kind of repeating the analysis from Donegal and, you know, from Tyrone a little bit. I think Donegal and Monaghan probably a little bit more attacking than Tyrone and Armagh based on the other night. But then again, Armagh, Armagh and Tyrone probably a bit cagey because they're such rivals. But like, I mean, again, six forwards that are forwards, Colm. Who would have thought it? No, look, definitely it's, been, it's a breath of fresh air for watching, watching Monaghan at the moment. And I think one of the key sort of interesting pieces with them is that for years, probably they've relied very heavily on the likes of McManus and that to get the majority of their scores. And you know, once teams were able to sort of work him out and sort of keep him out of the game, then like in a way, that's how we would have sort of pictured it. Like keep McManus out of the game, and you'll go a long way to win, win the game. But with these lads coming in, O'Hanlon, Mulligan, McCarthy, and whatnot, they're even Lavelle in midfield. You know, they're providing something threats from all over the pitch now. So suddenly, teams are now looking going, "Geez, these guys have got." actually proper forwards that we all have to watch while sort of years gone by you're going well you know double up on Conor McManus put him under serious pressure and you, you might be far away from beating them like so definitely one that you know as, as, as the summer continues it'll be interesting to watch and they have you know they do seem to have expanded, expanded their game um, and say have some bright faces in there to, 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 to sort of shake it up with you know a couple of experienced heads to sort of steady the thing as well yeah. yeah, yeah. It's well, funny when you have a forward like McManus. Obviously, so much play goes through him. He's been the fulcrum of that attack for so long. But when you take him out, all of a sudden, then you've four or five or six forwards that have to up their game. The load has to be shared around a little bit, and everyone everyone goes up a level. And that maybe looks like what's happening now. Conor McManus, he came on, he scored a goal, but 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 yeah. like I don't know what age he now. Thirty three is he? Yeah, you want they need to be planning. So maybe yeah. he's coming to the stage where. He's still not an impact sub yet. No, no, he's not an impact sub. Don't start saying that. (laughs) I was an impact sub at 33. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't think I should have been either, but I was. uh, Can't believe you're even suggesting this after (laughs) what happened to. But uh, look, maybe when he's not playing, other guys just kind of step it up a little bit, take on a bit more responsibility. And certainly like Conor McCarthy, who is a very good corner forward, he seems to have taken on a bit more, more, more responsibility in the absence of Conor McManus. And like I'm sure Conor's kind of coming back to fitness now and obviously he will be in the team once it comes to the uh, once it comes to the crunch but other forwards do look do certainly look like they're taking on a bit more responsibility there. Yeah, maybe and Mulligan looks like he wasn't he wasn't at his best against Donegal but he looks like he's lovely balanced and looks like a really really good player that I'm looking forward to seeing more from. Own Cleary lads, um Clare again, Colin Collins, geez deserve a lot of credit. They've two wins from two away to Kildare in Newbridge, which is a sensational win. This is fresh off the back of his outrageous sideline from the fourteen yard flag, fourteen yard line on his wrong side. He was marking, I was reading the match report on this. I didn't see it, I only saw the highlights. He was marking Owen Doyle and he was kept scoreless in the first half by Owen Doyle. Owen Doyle had to go off uh, injured and he scored seven points when Doyle went off in the second half. With Now they were with the wind in the second half. But he scored two absolute boomers from play. He's a really, really good player. And I don't know, like I mean, Clare getting a terrible raw deal because 
Like, I mean, they're drawing Kerry every year in Munster and they're losing in semi-finals. I don't think they've even made an Ulster, a, Munster, a Munster final yet. And like solid Division 2 team, every year you're kind of thinking who will go down? Oh, Clare will be in trouble. I was thinking it'll be Leash or Clare now going to go down out of that. And they're in a situation now where they've won their first two games and, you know, they're pretty much... Well, maybe not guaranteed to go... Well, they probably are guaranteed to go through. Like, I mean, he's done a brilliant job. He's the longest-serving manager, Colin Collins, was going to go last year until his um, until his uh, his arm was twisted to stay on, Alan. Yeah, he's done a great job with him, and that's without Gary Brennan as well, recently retired. Um, How Gary but, Brennan without Jamie Malone and without Gordon Kelly. Now, Gary Brennan and Gordon Kelly are retired. We, we can't keep, you know, saying they're without them, but Jamie Malone's their best forward, other than Cleary. Yeah, so, look, it's a big win for them, but it's a little bit worrying for Clare, isn't it? Um, they're to flattered to deceive. And, 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 like, it's worrying for Jack O'Connor there and... Um, like I suppose I know we're talking about Clare but if you look at Leinster it certainly looks like the likes of Mead are in better shape than Gildare at the moment but it's a big win for Clare and I'd say a huge confidence boost for them especially to go to Newbridge and win it in Newbridge um, so in fairness to Colin, Colin Collins has been spoken about before he's done a, he's done a fantastic job there um, and it's good to see him back Yeah I, I've anyone listening to the show for the last few years uh, Colin would know that I, I kind of pitched my mask to Kildare and our mass saying these two teams are going to join the top table and after last year I jumped off I said I'm done with the two of them I don't want anything to do with them our man looked like they might prove me wrong a little bit Kildare are staying exactly the way Kildare have been like I mean you, you can't trust them there's something there's something there's something not quite right within that squad and I don't know whether to put how to put my finger on it because they have an awful lot of talented players. Yeah, look, there's, there's obviously potential there and a lot of upside potential but, you know, it's very, very hard to put, as you say, you're right, it's very hard to put your finger on what's 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 going on there. There's days that go out and, you know, what sort of pressure with, with, with things and then they can go out and lose very, very heavily and stuff so it's, it's strange. It's hard to as I put the finger on, but um, you know it's one of those things that you know they'll just have to work through. They'll have to sort of spend the next number of weeks trying to get it right before the championship, and you know um, and see where it takes them. But as, as Alan said there, um, after watching a bit of the the Maid game yesterday, they looked to be in fairly good shape, and and you know with the likes of uh, uh, with the likes of them going well. It, you know, I'm not sure where that leaves where it leaves Kildare at the moment. Yeah, I'd wonder is it hard? Is it hard for Kildare being obviously being in a Leinster championship with the likes of Dublin there and just thinking, here we go again, another Leinster campaign. They know Dublin probably are going to win it, so it's difficult to come back year on year and kind of get yourself up to that level again to go again. And you'd wonder is that just in the back of in the back of fellas' minds that are nearly are they nearly giving up on it in a way? And um, because obviously, it, like. If you're up in Ulster, if you're a Monaghan or an Armagh, you have an Ulster Championship to aim for. If you get to an All Ireland, that's a bonus. But God, wouldn't it be great to win an Ulster Championship? Um, same over in Connacht, Mayo, Galway, Roscommon. Eh, eh, maybe any of them can win it on any given day. Um, Sligo could probably get to a to a to a Connacht final, maybe. But is it difficult for the likes Kildare and Meath to keep coming back year on year again now for the last few years, knowing that look, we might get to a Leinster final, but but. We could get humiliated against Dublin in Crow Park, and I just wonder is that in the back of fellas' minds? Yeah, well, it's definitely difficult for them. There's no doubt about that because they don't have that. Like what keeps the other counties going is mm. the provincial championship that they could win. Paddy Durkin got three from centre back. Mayo racked up 21 points, two 21 last week against Down, 21 against a defensive-ish um, Westmead team away. They really are like I mean, all-out um, attacking team. Paddy Durkin 
probably the most accurate wing back I've ever seen in the game, uh, Colly. Like, I mean, is that too much praise? But like, I mean, he doesn't miss when he gets when he gets up for a chance. No, he's a massive player for me. Oh, there's no doubt about it. And has been for the last number of years. Um, again, a player that we would have earmarked that uh, you know needs watching was a player that you sort of thought he can change the game for Mayo. Um, you know, operating now obviously not three from centre back to is a serious a serious return, and Mayo seem to have at the moment they're you know they're racking up big scores and really going to put you know doing what Mayo do. They're putting teams to to, to the sword, and they're really. You know they're really attacking them, and yeah, they're conceding score, a lot of scores as well. Um, but but that like the, we talked about balance and stuff earlier, they seem to have that, and they seem to attack really, really, really heavily. So, um, but there's no doubt that Paddy Durkin, you know, does. He's been a very, very important player. Um, and as I said, I know we I think we put man markers on him in, in the past, trying to trying to staple his sort of impact in the game. Um, because he, you know, he is that, he is that important to Mayo, but. Um, look, another good win for them, and look, they seem to be, um, they seem to have got their, you know, you know, started off well the first two weeks, and look to be, you know, building nicely, um, going into uh, heading into the latter stages. But um, I suppose them being down in Division Two, how does that set them apart? You know, having that type of competition and not playing your Dublin's and Kerry's, and that was always my sort of worry. Whenever we played in Division Two for years, they're sort of going, to, you know, you don't have that same. Um, competition at this stage of the year, and then you go in to maybe hit one of the big guns, and you know they, they, they sort of shock you. But you know, to date, they're they're, they're putting up good scores and really, you know, have really impressed. Yeah, no, definitely. Like they're too good for Division Two. They're actually promoted. Mayo and Mead um, are true to the playoff spots. It's in a weird one um, in Division One, and Colin O'Rourke pointed this out. I hadn't really thought about this. So, like, say for example, Leash now have lost their first two games. They've been very disappointing in both of them. They can rest everybody the week after, aiming for the week after, saying, we're going to hit this relegate. We're in it. I want you all fresh. Let's play the second team. Let's make sure any of those little niggles that maybe John Small had last week or Michael Murphy had, you sit out the week. Let's get you 100%. We have a championship game in two weeks. And your leash, who don't deserve this, by the way, have two weeks to prepare for a a championship match. Whereas Claire... Uh, Claire uh, Cork and Kildare all have to go into next week play their first team to try and get into the the, the, the semi-final like I mean it's completely unfair that Leash could get an advantage over them for the following week like imagine Leash lose three games in a row badly unimpressive and then win the fourth one and stay up whereas you know other teams that have been more impressive could be the one to go down yeah I suppose that's just the year sorry go on go on I'll go no, ahead. I, I just think that's a risk. I, I think that's a risk for. for, for I, I heard Colin O'Rourke say that, and I, I sort of disagreed with him in a way because ultimately, yes, that that is something that the teams could choose to do to, to drop their men and, and play a second team and and nearly you know get things tied up. Now, in my opinion, I think that would be fairly foolish of teams, and the reason being, you want to your, your core. Your, this teams haven't had much time to prepare in terms of mass practice, and I, I think. Teams should be using this week, regardless, um, you know, of of, uh, of that to, to keep their the, the core of their team there. And okay, you may change one or two guys to try and you know give guys a go on that, but you want to ultimately build up that. If we talk about that tolerance, that resilience to, for injuries and whatnot. If it was me, I would be keeping <laughs> keeping the teams fairly consistent and you know maybe chatting and changing a few guys. But um, it's a dangerous thing to do to to drop all your men and rest them a week. And then expect them to go out and perform at uh, in, in that same level. And the reason being, because remember, we thrown uh, for the last five, 
years of my career, I, I traveled Ireland in the backdoor system, which I hated. But uh, you, you know, playing week on week really, you know, was really something that built, you know, built good resilience. It sort of it allowed you to try things and really build, uh, you know, build how you want to play in terms of your systems and styles and whatnot. So um, I know it's early days in, in, in the league and that, but at the same time, I think that's a, I do think that's a risky way to, to, to approach it if they do do it. Yeah, I suppose it's one of the downsides of the of the year that we're in with the pandemic and stuff. And it was it was never going to be a a perfect science for once, for a better word. And I suppose that that is one of the flaws that might appear out having to play four weeks in a row. But four weeks in a row for lads is a lot of football, considering where they've come from. Without the bait, without, without the, the base on top of the injuries and stuff. But I suppose for Leash, it's probably the pressure's probably off now a little bit for next week because they know they're going to face that relegation play after the following week so they can go out they can maybe throw the shackles off a little bit maybe maybe try a few new things blood a couple of new players maybe but uh, I'd probably agree with Colm I think I'd keep the I'd keep the core the, the team there maybe give them an opportunity to would Leash even have that strength and depth maybe that they, they could afford to change 10 or 12 players like could be very risky um, I'd probably keep the core of the team there and just Try and hopefully get a result and try and build some confidence ahead of the following week. Yeah, probably not. No, that's their first team the last two weeks, by the way. So it's not a necessarily a good sign. Peter Hart, other nomination, 1-1 one, one from wing back. We said that's his best position and it looks like it's going to be. I'd stick another um, Niall Sludden or McGeary or Myler on the other wing and play with those two really attacking wing backs. Paddy McBrearty, when, when he was really needed, finished that game absolutely brilliantly against Donegal, scored some great points. Um, he's the other one. The two obvious ones are Conor Callaghan um, and David Clifford. I'm not sure who I'm going to give it to. Um, Conor McCarthy ruled himself out after the second half. So I think I'll give it to Owen Cleary and Colin Collins for Clare, who are continuing to uh, defy the odds that they don't give themselves. Everybody else seems to give them in Division 2 and are absolutely flying it. So Owen Cleary... Um, Colm Collins can present it to him um, so we'll give it to Owen Cleary right we'll leave it there lads that's all we have time for we'll be back on Thursday and we'll preview the weekend as usual so we'll talk to you all then good luck with this little dink ball the only one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass the weight is taken over hits the ground and it bounces into a fella's chest why do you not do many interviews oh really yeah, I wouldn't be asked to do a whole pile really yeah have you ever rang me and they're roaring to me, I cuffer you, you free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> <laughs>